you've been retired for a long time now. Um, and you've retired just off trading. Yes. I, I worked till I was 40. Yeah. I stayed, I, it took me about 10, 12 years. Once I said, I'm going to do this to the point that I could walk away. Mm-hmm. And that was it, it, today. It would take me so much less time as you know, and tell people like, Hey, if I lost everything, I'd be back to, you know, not working within a year. Hey, Alex here, and you're listening to another episode of the Market Adventures podcast, and you're going to want to take the week off for this one. What you hear over the next few days will absolutely change your life. I've listened to this same interview at least 10 times because I would get so wrapped up in the things that Chris was saying that I actually forgot I was supposed to be editing. Chris was able to get a job at IBM when he just started out on just persistence and a genuinely kind attitude. And he was able to retire from IBM at 41 after learning to earn more money trading stocks than on his job. Just short of 20 years living with complete freedom, Chris is here to take us on his journey to freedom as a regular guy and give us his number one secret that most investors miss that stops him from achieving freedom, consistency in their trading. Don't just enjoy this interview by yourself. Bring a friend along so they can hear what it takes to reach freedom, too. Enjoy the episode. Uh, my name's Chris Hansen. Uh, live in L.A. Grew up out here. Uh, let me think. What else do you want to know? Um, originally from the area, my folks had... They were, they grew up on a farm in Northern Minnesota, middle of nowhere, <laughs> Minnesota. And, uh, they, I think realized at a fairly young age that they didn't want to be on a farm in middle of nowhere, Minnesota. So they ended up, uh, I, they got together. I showed up about a year or two later, whatever the timing was. <clears throat> My dad, uh, went in the server. I'd been in the service. So he had you know, learned electronics and that type of stuff. Ended up getting a job as a computer repair guy. Um, bounced around a few times. I think I was about five or six. We lived in a number of cities across the Midwest and the East Coast, lived in New York for a little bit. Um, Landed in LA, I think I was like six and been here ever since. So I'm not quite a native Californian, but it's all I know. I can't say that I was born here, but it's the only place I know. Went to uh, get, um, wasn't that good. It was okay in high school. Wasn't the brightest. I wasn't the dumbest, probably, you know, top 10, 15%, something like that. <clears throat> got into USC, which, and I didn't have to uh, pretend to be on the rowing team or <laughs> any of that garbage. Um, and then uh, I'd always was willing to work. Uh, at 10, 12 years old, I was looking through the want ads way back when trying to find jobs to do anything. So always had a little bit of hustle in me. Work never scared me, uh, whether it was digging a ditch or, you know, trying to get a job on phone sales when I was 13 years old. Just crazy stuff. Um, but got a job as a, a computer operator when I was a, a junior in high school. It was a mainframe computer walked in on a place and they didn't have a job wanted or what do you call it? Uh, uh, position. They had no sign in the window. Literally was walking door to door in this little industrial park. And I'd gotten turned down like 15 times before I walked in. And when it said, what job are you applying for? I said, I'll do anything. I'll clean a toilet. <laughs> Literally put that on there. And the lady at the reception desk laughed. And he goes, hold on, I'll get the manager. And he came out and he looked, he started to laugh. And he said, we don't have anything open to clean toilets, but would you like, can you operate a computer? And I said, what's a computer? But yeah, I'll give it a shot. 
And so it was a big mainframe computer they had in the back of the thing. And so as a, you know, 16, whatever, I was 17 years old, I was a computer operator just because I asked and just had the, you know, I think probably the right attitude saying, look, I'm willing to do anything. Just give me a chance, give me a job. <clears throat> and so when I hear people today say they can't find work, I just roll my eyes like, man, there is so much opportunity in this country. You just got to be willing to stick your nose out there and be willing yeah. to have somebody tell you no. Um, and you know, say you can't find a date. It's like, dude, half the population. <laughs> Probably more than half. <laughs> just <laughs> ask. Somebody will say yes. Let me feel sorry for you. Um, <laughs> but got that. And as a result, I studied computer science in college. Um, not through any brilliance. It just happened to be. Um, came out and IBM was happened to be interviewing my senior year or happened to be recruiting on campus. I kind of knew who they were because I, you know, I was a computer operator and IBM mainframe. And I walked in and talked to the guy and I said I was a computer operator. And all my buddies had like 10 or 15 minutes with these guys. I literally was in there for two hours um, talking because I had work experience. <clears throat> and, you know, it wasn't they were looking for a salesperson, but it wasn't anything related to that. But I could speak the, you know, I understood a little bit. Yeah, speak the lingo. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I was I was no whiz on, I didn't know anything about sales or technology, but I understood my way around, you know, how to mount a tape. Um, you know, it was kind of like what you see if you ever remember the movie War Games. It was that kind of big, ugly looking, you know, the size of your bedroom filled with technology, which today fits in, in your phone, in your in pocket. In your pocket, right? Yeah. Jesus. But, yeah, that's how it started. So, so uh, at, at IBM, how how long do you work at IBM for, right? Because right now you don't work, right? <laughs> yeah, so, a long time. You have worked a long time. Uh, what did you do at IBM and then why – how did you end up getting out of it? So uh, when I hired on, um, I don't want to bore you too much. It was kind of interesting. It was kind of boring. But the uh, it, it's selling to the corporate world. And so <clears throat> think of a huge employer in your area um, where you know everyone's going to work. And they, it, they have some kind of computer technology in there. And today it's all over the place. But back then it was in one big computer room. This is back in the mid-late 80s. And... <clears throat> People had a little CRT terminal on their desk if they had that at all. And so what they would do is you'd walk into a meeting and they had a sales rep and they had the technical guy and the technical guy, they learned the sales rep, we think we should get this, this, this. And the client or customer would say, well, does it work with what we have? And they'd look at me and go, Chris, does it work with what they have? <laughs> and I, in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't have a freaking clue. But go, yeah, I'm, I will yeah. figure it out. <laughs> and see, so you learn very quickly. It's like, say yes and figure it out. Say yes. Oh, my God. It's, not to cut you off, there was a no, guy. Uh, there's a guy. I'm from Jamaica. When I went back, a guy that worked at one of my aunt's uh, ner um, nurseries, she owns uh, a daycare franchise in Jamaica. Her head guy who does everything, grounds, he'll do some, he'll pick up money, run money, uh, fix things, build things. He actually told me that when he comes to America and everything he does in Jamaica, he says yes to everything when it comes to work. He was told, he, someone asked him to fix an engine on a car and he never, ever looked inside of a car. He just said yes and then went in there and just started moving things around and eventually figured it out. Yeah. And with that attitude, you'll succeed. Right. That's and interesting. So, I mean, especially now with YouTube, my God, it is so easy. Oh my God. It's, it's all out there. But you know, way back when I just had a, 
you know, now you have all your contacts in your phone. Used to be you had this little Rolodex, Rolodex. which is basically, you know, looks like a bunch of business cards attached in this little rolly thing that flips around. And I just learned to be incredibly nice to the people that I worked with that knew what they were doing because I didn't. And if that meant, you know, buying the lady, you know, flowers on her birthday, on an anniversary, on it just for no reason, man, I just, I was thinking about you. Right. I just thought it would make your day. Thank you for all the help you did for me before. Right. It was never not, you know, coming on to somebody, but just like, thank you for all the help you did. And, you know, $10, $20, whatever little gift. It's amazing what people will do for you when you show them that you care. I mean, it, it, it gets way overused. But if you show people that you care, they don't care what you know. Um, <clears throat> and they'll help you out. And so I learned very quickly be really, be cool to people, be nice, be genuine. And you got to be genuine and you can see through the the fake side of it. But if you really don't show an interest in people, they will help you out. And so I had to learn that at IBM because there were a lot of really smart people and I was the dumbass. <laughs> As a result of that, I did okay. Um, and so, you know, it just, it kind of worked and it works that way in a sales environment as well. You just, you know, this, it was a, it's a relationship sell. It was not a transactional. It's not like, you know, you sell something to someone, you go on and get the, you know, it's not like you're selling something in a retail environment where yeah. you walk in and you buy your phone at the the Apple store or the T-Mobile store, whatever you're getting. And you'll never see that person again. And for another four or five years until you get another phone, this is something you're out there regularly. So you're almost a, it's almost like you're an employee at this large company or at a number of them. And I just learned from that and, um, yeah, it was all about relationship and it happened. I'd been there, I don't know, five, six, seven years and IBM today, the, the tech firm or tech places that people want to work, work would be like an Apple or Google, something along those lines. That's what IBM was way back when it was the technology firm to work for. Definitely had a lot of cachet for it. And they went through a layoff. Uh, so it been late eighties, early nineties. And I can remember specifically sitting with a guy, there's, uh, you know, the Hyundai cars and Hyundai headquarters is in uh, Orange County, California. We were sitting in the lunchroom there <clears throat> and this guy, he's, you know, he's my, I'm in my fifties now. He was probably in his fifties then. And he looked at me and he said, so what do you think about this whole layoff thing? They're going to give us a buyout. And I was like, man, I, I'm not nervous about it, but I know they're going to tap me because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And I think everybody knows that I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I just walk around with a big smile on my face. <laughs> and he said, oh, no, 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 they're going to tap me. I was like, dude, but you know what you're doing? He said, yeah, but I, you know, I make three times what you do. You know, just my salary is much higher than mine. And I said, well, yeah, but you can do, you mean, it's going to take 15 of me to do what you do. He said, no, they only need one of me and they'll just use you and they'll just parcel me out. So we had this back and forth. And at the time they were offering, I think it was a two-year severance package. So they give you two years salary and they gave you lifetime medical. And this was an employer that when you walked in there, you literally expected to retire there. They expected it was womb to tomb. They thought you would roll out either retired or they roll you out on a gurney. And at that kind of attitude and for the people that had been there forever, that kind of gets ingrained with you. And so the mere thought of leaving, there's this huge fear of what it's like on the outside. Yeah. Like a, a guy It's emotional at that point. Yeah, or you're afraid because you don't really know what's on the outside. You've been told you're going to be taken care of. And he definitely was afraid. And I was like, well, dude, if they lay you off, you get two years, right? You get a great salary. And at the time, 
late 80s, we're in LA. Um, LA used, and it's still pretty good. There used to be a huge aerospace industry that was centered here. And those were shutting down, right? And there was the savings and loan debacle, kind of like what we saw in 2008 with the financial crisis. This went on back in the late 80s, early 90s, where you had a big crunch on the savings and loan industry. And a lot of it was out here. So we had job loss all over the place. And he was saying, yeah, but what if I can't find a job? Like, uh, Bub, you, you got two years of salary. You'll find something. He said, but what if I don't have something in two years? And I said, well, live a little lighter, you know, live a little leaner and then just live on your savings. And he said, I don't have any. I was like, whoa. And I remember, to the, it's one of those, you know, you have all these defining moments in life. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, whatever, tell me what path you took because I'm going to take the complete opposite because I don't ever want to be in your shoes when I'm your age. And, you know, I'm in my, you know, mid, late 20s at the time. And I thought, man, I, I couldn't live forever, but I could easily live for a year or two. You know, today you call it house hacking, you know, whatever you want to do, get roommates or figure out a way to live cheap. But I could live cheaper. And hell, I was willing to wash a car for a buck. I mean, I, you know, I would do anything for a dollar. I'd been kind of raised that way. And so it didn't scare me. I thought, dude, there's, you will get something. But I thought, wow, I need to figure. And this is before Kiyosaki had written his books and all the, all the personal finance self-help stuff that's so prevalent today was available. And so I thought, man, I got to figure out how to get money working for me. I didn't really know what that meant. But so I started looking at, looked at real estate. My folks owned real estate. So I understood a little bit about that and the amount of work that it took. So I didn't, I didn't like it. I hated being tool boy as a kid where you had to, um, you know, ride around with dad and he'd send you out to the trunk to get the wrench or the screwdriver and, you know, run back in and he'd do whatever he would do. I freaking hated that. Um, and I looked at, I stumbled on the stock market and got this um, solicitation. Literally, it came to my roommate. I had a, owned a place. I had a couple of roommates that were making my, I was already house hacking. So these guys were making my mortgage payment. And it was addressed to him and it said, buy this newsletter and I'll show you how to make a bazillion dollars. I will do it. He made him write a newsletter. He must know what he's doing. I, you know, I realize now any clown can write a newsletter. Write a newsletter, yeah. <laughs> um, but in there, he had said, you know, buy this. And one of his things was, I'll show you how to make 20% a year on IBM. And I remember reading, I think, whoa, wait a minute. I work there and the stock was going in the ditch. It's like I'm losing 20% a year on my IBM stock. What does this guy know? And so I, you know, it was like $200 or something for the newsletter. And he had a thing on it. I said, if you don't like it at 90 days, call me up and I'll send your money back. And I literally counted out 88 days in my calendar. And I put a note that said, if I don't like it, call this son of a gun back and get back my $200. And this was pre-email, right? So he sent this thing in the mail. And it was a white paper that, you know, tell you called a PDF doc. It was basically a, you know, typed out paper that said, here's how you sell covered calls against IBM. You're basically renting out the stock and you do it once a quarter, you make 5%. You do that four times a year, it's 20. And uh, I didn't know what he was talking about. And I knew nothing about this stuff. I was a computer science major in school, never looked at this shit at all, um, <clears throat> but tried it on one of the stocks that he suggested. And then a few months, I, it's like six, nine months, I tripled my money. Like, man, this is cool. <laughs> you can't find a hat that would fit my head. My Never. ego was huge. And then I lost it all within like a month. I don't know what I did, but, you know, my balance went from big to back to not very much at all. <laughs> that's the stock market, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. And uh, I remember literally almost crying about it, right? Just like, whoa, it was me. This is horrible. It sucks. What's wrong? All this mental stuff. And I'm either really stubborn or really stupid or both. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I thought, you know, if I did it once, let me see if I can do it again. So I tried it again, took another six, nine months, and I think about doubled my money. And I then lost it again. And this time it took a little longer around taking a month. It took about a month and a half, but I lost it all again. And like I said, I'm either stubborn or stupid. And I thought, whoa, I'm losing it slower. So I'm getting better. <laughs> <laughs> some, lo some logic. Logic, There's something, yeah. yeah, like I say, stubborn or stupid. And I thought, if I can just, I think I know how to make it. If I could figure out how not to lose it, I got it. And I just started reading books. I was all the, whatever class, whenever some guru would come to town, I'd go to his free seminar to see what I could pick up. If it sounded good, I would pay for it and I'd attend. Um, I used to sit on the on the floor of a bookstore at night and I'd flip me. I just, I'm wearing a suit and tie, you know, the typical blue suit, white shirt, you know, look like a banker kind of thing. I literally sitting on the floor couple nights a week and I would pull a book off the shelf and scan through it and see what I could learn. And if the clerk came by and said, sir, weren't you in here the last night looking at this? I would know the next time I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go to that bookstore for another couple of weeks. I'd go to one, <laughs> I'd go to a different one in the mall or wherever it happened to be. And I would just, and if the book were really, really good and I liked it, I'd buy it. If it wasn't, I'd go to the next book on the shelf. And so I read or scanned literally hundreds of these things looking for little nuggets. Um, and then found him and got it, right? And stuff started to click. Um, the classes that I attended, <clears throat> I always tell people, I'm, I'm, I never want to accuse somebody of selling snake oil and, you know, I don't know if I can, you, you've called this explicit, but you're selling the bullshit stuff. Yeah. You're like, man, I don't know if I can believe this son of a gun or not. It just uh, sounds too good to be true. And some of it, if I couldn't get it to work, I would always take the blame. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to toss somebody under the bus because it truly could be, I'm not understanding what they're saying. Um, but some of the stuff was able to get to work. And I realized as I got deeper and deeper and got better and better at this, it wasn't necessarily the how to do it's the how to think. And I heard somebody say it a long time ago, I think they used a number 10 and 90. I think it's even more like five and 95 and maybe even one and 99. <clears throat> but 5% of this is how to do. And 95% of this is how to think if you want to get money working for you. And I don't care if that's in real estate, if that's in the stock market, if that's selling stuff on Amazon, if you want to go start your own small business and hire people, whatever it is, 5% of it at most is how to do. And it's your mindset that is the, the most important critical piece. And it literally is probably 95 to 99% of the equation. And what happens is everybody focuses on, they want the hack. They want the quick, you know, the instant gratification and they want the, how to do fast and they ignore and are unwilling to accept or admit that the, how to think is really the secret to this. And that's why I've seen so few people reach freedom because they're so focused on the, how to do, and they ain't thinking about that. They're not thinking about the, how to think. They don't yeah. realize how driven by emotions are. It's once you see it, uh, do you ever see the movie, the matrix where you, the guy's sitting there, he has the choice of taking the, I don't know, the red pill and the blue pill or whatever it was. Yeah. And he said, if you take this one, right, you're going to wake up in the morning and you're not going to remember anything. But if you take, I don't remember which color is which, but if you take this one, you're going to have a whole new world available to you. And you're yeah. going to see things behind the scenes that nobody else can see. It's like this parallel universe that's going on. And that's what goes on in the stock market. It's really effing cool. But it takes a while to open your eyes to it. And then once you see it, it, it you can't unsee it. And you realize yeah. it's all over the place. 
and you, <laughs> and you can see it in the way people think. You can hear it. If you just listen to the words that people use, you can see it. It's so clear. It's weird. So I got to, I mean, in this day and age, and you have uh, Discord channels, you have Slack groups, you have <clears throat> Facebook groups, all with the idea of, hey, join my group. I do, uh, I do stock market callouts. If you join it, you just buy what I tell you to buy and sell what I tell you to sell, and you'll make money. You're saying that it's it's cooler to see, to actually see with your own eyes what's going on behind the scenes than to just do these groups and make some money. So look at think of it this way, and some of those groups, some will do it for free. Most of them have a billable side to it, right? So the guy's getting paid for for you listening to. Basically, you know, eat my cooking or, you know, do what I do. Um, in the, when you go into an online chat room and, you know, like-minded folks, Hey, what's the latest or like the Reddit stuff, right? You know, you got the GameStop and AMC and all that. That's the only time I've seen where they were onto something was with GameStop. And now AMC just recently last this last week, but the other 99.99999% of the time, um, think about it. <clears throat> So Alex, let's say that you, you learn the stock market and you're trying to learn it or on the process of learning it to whatever degree you're at. Yeah. And let's say you get good at it. Are you going to spend your free time in a chat room <clears throat> telling knuckleheads, here's how to do it? No, no, no. no you're going to go enjoy your life and do your thing. Yeah. And so you can go find meetup groups where people will talk about, Hey, let's get together and talk about, you know, our strategies and all that. <clears throat> Every time I've gone into those, it's all people looking for the answer and they're looking to other people that don't have the answer, but they're looking to them for the answer. And so it really becomes a whole bunch of blind guys leading a whole bunch of blind people. Because think about it, Cause if you knew what you were doing, you wouldn't spend your time there. You might decide to go start a business and have people pay you for their picks. That's fine, but that's running a business, but you're not going to walk into some, you know, birds of a feather group because you got the reason you're doing this is so you can have free time. It ain't about yeah. hanging out with <laughs> or, you know? or people who are asking you questions. Yeah. And, and you'll find that, but, and you might go into those because you're looking for like-minded folks. Right. And when you find a, and it, they're really hard to find, but when you find someone who thinks like you do, man, the, the bond and the kinship you develop, and it's almost instant because you, you end up speaking with people at a much deeper, um, intimate level for lack of a better word, because the uh, all of this is driven by emotions. And so when you're in there, it's really, I, I've had countless, I teach a class on this stuff, right? I've had count. So there's a little, I suppose you could say, well, dude, no wonder you're saying that you're getting paid to teach a class. I dropped the class. Doesn't matter. Make enough trading. It's fine. But I've had countless people come up to me that are in the class, big, muf, big muscular, burly guys look like they should be, you know, shot putting a Volkswagen or something. <laughs> and they go, and the last thing you'd expect to hear out of them would be feelings. Go, Chris, man, let me tell you what I'm feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I like the deep voice you gave them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, but I've had other true stories. I've, I've had the wives come in to sit and observe the class and they'll come up to me on a break and say, I don't know what to do because he talks to you more about his feelings than he does to me. <laughs> it's like, whoa okay and it's it's comf it's comfortable for me but it's a little uncomfortable i look at it I go well the reason why is he's dealing with stuff that you haven't dealt with mm -hmm. right when it comes because there's so much emotion around money 
amount of money. Yeah. And people don't, again, it's the how to do versus the how to think. But once you can find that linkage with somebody, or if you're listening to this and you realize you're like, man, that's right. You know, my, the person I share a pillow with wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, significant other, if they're not getting you, or if you're not getting them, it's because they're at a much different level of emotion around money than you are. And you got to figure out how to get them to your same level. Yeah. Right. And that's, sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's tough. And, um, there's ways you can get them there. You know, one of the ways you can get there is <clears throat> you bribe them. <laughs> okay. Now you got to explain. <laughs> so, um, if you're, you're learning to, my thing's all about stock market. So I'm going to, I'm going to be very jaded or, you know, all my examples will be around trade in the stock market or investing in the stock market. If your significant other is giving you grief about the time that you spend learning us, what you do is you work your butt off to the point where you're making some money at this. And then you take them out for, if you have a low maintenance partner, you're going to get away with going out to a nice dinner. If you got a high maintenance partner, you might want to rethink that one. But if you got a high maintenance partner, you might have to take them away for a weekend. And whatever you're able to get away with, um, but you literally sit down with them over dinner and it's a genuine discussion. You look them right in the eye and say, hey, I just want you to know I really, really appreciate all the time that you've allowed me to spend away from us or away from the family, away from the kids doing this. And the, we're here for this dinner or this weekend, whatever it is as a result of my trading results. And you play a huge part of that. I just want to say thank you. Because if it hadn't been for you, we wouldn't be here. And I wouldn't be able to do this. So I can't say thank you enough. Right? And they'll be, oh, and you'll, they'll be teary-eyed stuff and all that good stuff. And it's all wonderful. And it's genuine. I'm, this is not a, I'm not trying to manipulate somebody. But you, it sounds like that. But I'm, I'm being very, I'm doing that to make you laugh. But the, if you're very genuine about that, they will realize that you get, because it really is, it's on them that you're able to do this. Yeah. Because they're picking up some of the slack. But and you're also sharing that emotion with them now. What when, you acknowledge, when you acknowledge that they play a huge part in this, even though they haven't been sitting there listening to stuff, they've been reading the charts, they've been reading the books. When you acknowledge that, cool. And now what will happen? Guarantee. When you get back, you know, the next night, if you if you got away from a dinner, got away with it for a dinner, cool. You're out of there for 100, 200 bucks. If you had to do a weekend away, your price tag's a little higher. But almost guarantee Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of that next week, you'll be sitting there on the couch doing nothing. And your significant other will come in and sit down next to you and you'll feel an elbow jammed right in your ribs. And they'll <laughs> say, what are you doing? You're like, what do you mean? And say, why aren't you in there studying the stock market? The stock market. <laughs> well, once you get to that point, then they're on your side. And you just have to be sure and feed that, um, uh, you know, make that deposit in the emotional bank every now and then for them. But once you do that, they're on your side at that point because now you've made it about them. But you got to go through a whole bunch of crap to get to that point, and that's that's very arduous. So what 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 do you say? I mean, there's a lot of people because you you've been retired for a, a long time now, um, and you've retired just off trading. So yes, I, I worked till I was forty. Yeah, I stayed. I, it took me about 10, 12 years. Once I said I'm going to do this to the point that I could walk away. Mm-hmm. And that was it, today. It would take me so much less time as you know, I tell people like, Hey, if I lost everything, I'd be back to, you know, not working within a year. If I had to go back to work and start doing it, take me a year, maybe a year and a half. If that, but that's, 
that's know how. They're gonna be people listening to this that don't that don't think. I mean, they they might not they might not think that's even possible. The fact that you can go from if you had to start over, that you'd be able to not work. Some people probably don't even believe you're not working, right? Because yep. I mean, the stock market, you 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 see people making millions of dollars, but rarely do people know another person who's made a significant enough amount of money to mm-hmm. not work because of trading. Yep. So there's really there's probably three answers. If they're being an asshole about it, I just ignore them. <laughs> Right? I, don't, okay. I, don't, I don't need to prove it to anybody. <laughs> okay, that's. I'm glad you started with that one. Let's get yeah. that. Let's get that out of there. Right? Because there's some people, no matter what you tell them, it, it's like, it is not worth the breath. best part about bringing Chris on was that he was just a regular person like you and I. He went to school, he got a regular job, and was charged with a decision. Accept the life that he had, hoping not to get laid off, or figure out another path to have more control over his life. Make sure you tune in tomorrow for part two to find out how you can reach freedom through the stock market.